I know a good breakup haircut. And if, if a girl comes in and says, cut all my hair off, I've just split up with my boyfriend, I probably wouldn't. I would kind of say, let's do a sexy bob rather than a crop. I'm quite good at... I, like, I know a good breakup haircut. Yeah. <laughs> this week on Walking the Dog, I went for a stroll in West London with the man responsible for some of the most iconic hairstyles of the last decade, George Northwood. George has a whippet called Willow, but as well as being Willow's dad, he's the very discreet hairstylist to some of the most photographed women in the world. Alexa Chung, Rosie Huntington-Whiteley, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kim Kardashian, and oh yes, Meghan Markle, the Duchess of Sussex. We talked about George's passion for hairdressing, which was inspired by his nan. The moment when he came out to his parents, the role of therapist that a hairdresser often plays, his sadness at losing his dog Rex, and his joy when Willow came into his life. I think you'll really love George. He's humble, honest, and just sort of passionate about making women look and feel good. My kind of man. If you want to visit George's salon in London, it's a very welcoming, friendly place. There are treats baked by his mum. Oh, and it's dog friendly. Hello. So find out more at georgenorthwood.com. Anyway, I'll let you listen now. Here's George. looks so dainty. Oh, look at the way she walks. She's like a real lady. She walks like a lady. She really is. She sort of trots. Ah, 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 ah. No, Willow. What she no. found there? Chicken bones? Bones, yeah, chicken bones. He's obviously, she's a sight hound, so she is food obsessed. I went to a Christmas lunch on Saturday and she spent the whole time searching for food to the point where it's quite annoying. But anyway. Well, to be fair, that's what I do. Well, yeah. Do you think <laughs> I'm a sight too. hound, George? Probably. Maybe if you came back, if I come back <laughs> as a dog, I'd be a sight hound because I look a bit like Willow. Yeah. Well, people anyway. say dogs look like their owners. And you've seen my dog, Raymond, <laughs> be honest. Lots of great hair, which is you. <laughs> well, you would say that, George. He's great. He's in the salon. I love him. He's so adorable. Do you love oh, Raymond? Yes. Where are we going? Left or we're right? We're going straight down. I'm going to grab a okay. coffee and then we're going this to walk This is a nice the area. It's so lovely, man. Have you I... been to Queen's Park before? Yes, I have. Well, it's across here. I knew you'd live here. Yeah? Yeah, I could guess. Oh, really? I yeah. love it. I used to live in Shoreditch for five years. Of course you did. Yeah. Oh, Willow! Oh, she keeps doing this. Oh, this is the third time. George, oh, do you want it's to explain week. what Willow did? She took a pee, and she likes to take a pee in the most inconvenient places. She uh. just crouched in the middle of a pedestrian crossing. I mean, I know men who've done that as well. We've all been yeah, there, Yeah, we've dear. all done it. We've all been there, But yeah. in the middle of the zebra crossing, yeah, she just that's... crouched over. Yeah, and thought, she doesn't, yeah. I'm going to the bathroom here. Um... I am with the very wonderful George Northwood, king of hairdressing. Oh, thank you. And responsible in many ways, I would say for changing the way we do our hair, really. I think you've checked, you had a huge impact on hair in the last 10 years. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're just going to grab a coffee here. Oh, nice. Yeah, we'll show you So I'm just going to say, we're with Willow, the Whippet. Yep. The Greyhound or Whippet? Whippet. whippet. 100% Whippet. Willow the Whippet. Is Willow it? the Whippet. Oh. Named before I got her. Oh, this is my favourite coffee Come shop. Come on, George. Oh, the, oh, this is very George Northwood. 
We're going into a beautiful, oh. it looks like an art gallery, it's a cafe. Hello. George um, says he's going to buy the coffees. Yes. Seeing as he does the Duchess of Sussex's hair, he can afford it, I reckon. You know you're in a good coffee shop when, when they you do get that. a nice yeah. heart yeah. on the top. And I have to have decaf. I've had one caffeinated Why? one. I go wild. I'm very Jeez. high. Yeah, I'm very high on Are energy. Are you quite anyway. high energy? Yeah. Do you think a lot of hairdressers are? I think so, yeah. Why? I think you need to be. Um, it's nice. the adrenaline. It's not like the day-to-day -day packed sort of back-to-back -back clients. Being a hairdresser, because it is effectively 50% therapy. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I genuinely think... Um, 50% of where I've got to where I am today is because I am, my grandmother was a hairdresser so I do feel instinctively I have this ability to, hairdressing comes easy to me, not easy, I mean I'm not saying I can do it, but it definitely came naturally to me. Yeah. But the other 50% is I think people like to have me around and I don't know why, why that is, I think it's, whatever it is, my personality, uh, I think if you're going to be a hairdresser and you're going to be a successful hairdresser, you've got to be the sort of pe person that people want around them when they're, i.e., vulnerable, having their hair done, hair wet. You know, and if you're in the salon, you know, you want someone that makes you feel at ease. If they're cutting your hair, if you're a celebrity or something, you want someone that's not going to make you be on the worst dressed list of the red carpet. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's that yeah. kind of trust. But there's an intimacy as well. Because, oh, absolutely. And I think it's interesting, we'll talk about this, but the role of the hairdresser has changed in some ways. You know, I think British women, certainly in the last 20 years or so, it's partly the Sex and the City revolution, it's all that, where yes. British women feel entitled to, you know, I think New York women, for example, had always prioritised stuff like that. But it's been quite a recent revolution for us, hasn't it, would you say? Yeah, I think so. And, and also, like what you said before, it's it's that kind of uh, slightly undone approach to hair as well that kind of I think resonates with British women because I think we're, we're quite relaxed with our style here men and women do you know what I mean mm. so I think it's that kind of like you say it's a new thing but I think it's because it's the rise of that kind of undone look and slightly dishevelled hair or, or not not completely perfect that fits Which? in with like British style as well that nothing's too put together you know no one wants to look like they've spent hours on their hair people just want to look like they've effortlessly woken up got out of bed and i just look like this yes which is kind of well and that was alexa chung yes i wonder who did her hair oh it was you george it was me yeah you, I, I, mean... I want to talk properly about the alexa which yes which was george's creation Rosie Huntington Whiteley and the Duchess of Sussex, but he's too discreet and he won't talk about it. <laughs> he did do the wedding hair for the evening and I'm going to make him say something about it. Hi, yes, George. We can talk about the, the, yeah, yeah, we can. Well, I did the evening look for the wedding, yeah, which was an amazing moment. The updo. The updo, which was such an incredible, you know, and it's such an incredible thing to be a part of. You know, there's such great people to work with and, you know. Were um, you so excited? Yeah, yeah, I was. I mean, it was just like a real, it was one of those kind of tell your mum moments. I mean, I think keeping it all in was the hardest thing, like keeping it together. Um, Were you having to say you had this date in the diary? And I said, what are you doing next Saturday? Oh, I'm a, no, I thought I'll stand and watch the match. It got um, a bit weird right near the time because I've got this friend that I see all the time locally and she was like smelling a bit of a rat when I was kind of saying that I wasn't going to be around that weekend. And, I, and the thing is, for some reason, 
I didn't just think up a really great story or an excuse. This is me all over. I, I obviously am extremely discreet, but you are. If I had have been clever with it, I'd have worked out a whole story to say, but I didn't. And even the day before, I had um, Lisa Smarovsky, who who comes from. Uh, the uh, stylist and Joe Elvin in and they were all reporting and I saw Lisa Armstrong as well and they were all reporting. Who's the, who's the Times fashion editor? Lisa yes, Armstrong. the Times, yeah. yeah. And, Joe's and Joe from, edits You magazine. Yeah, they yeah. were all no. going to report and they were all like saying, guess where I'm going tomorrow or guess where I'm going this weekend? I'm reporting on the Royal Wedding and what are you doing? And I was like, not much, just kind of like going to see some friends. Just, do it, just doing Megan's hair. And I just have to say that, you know, with everything that's, you yeah. know, in the press and stuff, they, I, I thoroughly enjoy working and knowing both of them and that, you know, I only have great experiences to talk of and, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing to be a part of and they're really lovely people. And, um, and I think I met her actually for through dogs, because she loves dogs, doesn't she? And mm -hmm. I, she worked for the Mayhew, which isn't far from here. The Actually, I was looking to rescue a dog from there before Willow came into my life, because I was so scarred from my first dog that I was, I was committed to rescuing. Then this one showed up. Oh, Willow. Well, they do such good work there, and I they do. They met do. Um, the Duchess of Sussex down there, and she was so lovely, and she wanted to see a picture of Raymond. Oh. And then I only had it on my Instagram. So I was look, giving look, her my squirrel. phone Wait to a minute, look, squirrel. Oh, look. Squirrel. Do you like a squirrel? Sight hound. Look at squirrel. Sight. Look at that. Her ears. When my boyfriend was having her, he let her off. He lets her off the lead, and she, he just says, "Oh, we should let her go for it." But I get scared. Yeah. She shouldn't really let dogs off the lead here. But should we do it? Well, I don't want some David Attenborough scenario on my hands. <laughs> do you know what I mean? She We'd... won't catch it. That's the thing. But no, let's wait. Let's go to the park. I don't want to have to do the the sort of voiceover. Of, but this one did not yeah. survive. Hello. Hello. This is a little Shih Tzu, isn't Hello. it? Hello. What's this one called? Toto. Hi, Toto. Did you see that I did the dog voice? Hello. Hi. Hey, Hi, you. Hey, you. Cute. Hello, darling. Greyhound or It's a whippet. She's quite small. She gets confused for greyhound a lot. I think an Italian Coco. greyhound. Yeah, I know. She's a mini-me. Oh, Coco's lovely. Hi, Coco. Coco's cute, George. So, anyway. I okay. want to ask you about yeah where it all began and we should say which park are we in by the way you okay we're now in Queens Park Queens Park which is I your local manor my local park in the summer it's beautiful but they don't allow rightly so I'm cool with that they don't allow dogs off the lead here um, so we just walk through Queens Park or I'll come and sit in the sun in the summer here with Willow on the lead but then we go through to Tiverton Green which is behind it and that's actually a dog park where you let dogs off the lead so I always take Willow there because because she's a sight hound. Whippets need a good runabout. Whippets need they? a good run. So I take her to the park. Tiverton Green. George just did a great I did a 12 with the lead. I've got the tricks. Um, I take her to Tiverton Green and let her run wild. So that's what we're going to do. And, and tell me, gossip. so is this your manor when you were growing up or? No, I'm from, uh, I'm from Luton, Bedfordshire. Yes. Um, I grew up born and bred, mm. born in the L&D hospital. Um, went to grew up there my nan was a hairdresser um, i grew up around the smell of perm lotion i remember my nan doing uh perms all the time and i used to go and sit around my nans and watch her do this and i was always very i kind of think i really loved what i loved about it is i just saw my nan talking to women about 
hair no doing their hair and just having a good old chat and I thought what a great job because this is just like socialising um, and, and it's also, funny the perm lotion because obviously that's what everyone had then but yeah. was it once you got to a certain age what did you do think oh you're 50 so you're going to get the perm now yeah well, everyone just used to perm it was more of a thing than colour wasn't it like it was about having a perm and I remember if you permed and coloured your hair it would just basically cremate it and it would just ruin your hair so most people were having perms. So, born and bred Luton. And what did your mum and dad do, George? Uh, they... My mum... Was she a homemaker? She was a homemaker. She used to work in London. What's... There was a machine that was... Um, I always forget the name of it, that converted... My mum would listen to dictaphones and convert it into text before typewriters. Telex? That's probably it. No. And then she left to have children... By the time she went to go back to work, that job didn't exist because computers had arrived. Yeah. So my dad is a, was and is an ambulance car driver. So he takes he? people to hospital that are non-accident and emergency. So people that are on dialysis. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Having treatment, chemo. My dad takes people. He works, um, you know, through the NHS and just kind of takes people to and from hospital that aren't... He doesn't drive an ambulance, he drives a car, yeah. if you get what I mean. So... So but he was an electrician a... by trade when he started. That was, oh, gas man, actually, gas. He worked for British Gas for years. And it was you and your sister, Sally? Yep. And yep, me and Sally. Were you close as a family? Yeah, I'd say we were. Um, yeah, we were always together. Um, I mean, I think Sally, we used to drive each other mad, as brother <laughs> and sister do. But yeah, I think um, we were. We had a, a nice upbringing, you know? Yeah. Everything was... It was great. Um, Did you have, and the hairdressing thing, I mean, in terms of, I suppose it's an interest in style and fashion, and did you always have an interest in that? Or do you think it was more that sort of, you talk about your nan and watching her having those chats and doing people's hair, do you think it was more that that led you to it, in a I way? I think so, yes. Rather than having copies of Vogue and, you know. Yeah, I mean, I was always very into hair as well. Like, I grew up, like... I love Madonna mm. and I was just like did all you? the hair that she did and you know all that kind of I remember like loving all that blonde ambition tour how oh, did you like yeah. all of that like well she used to just do so many different things with her hair and her look and I was always so kind of into that and I remember the start of the Rachel cut coming along and all of that from friends and I was kind of still at drama school then and I wasn't even in hairdressing at that stage so I kind of always remember being very into hair but um, I didn't do it because I went to drum. I, I kind of was really into acting and performing arts. So mm. even though I used to play salons and have a hair, set up a hair salon in my parents' loft and used to kind of curl all the people, all the girls in the street used to come up and I used to try and do their hair and play salons. One of the kind of local people would be a receptionist. I'd book them in, they'd come in, I'd perm their hair with water. <laughs> I was obsessed with trying to get, So it was like, a bit wet look. It was a bit wet. Well, I'd be trying to get a, a curl in people's hair, but it was impossible because all I had was a load of rag kind of rollers from my mum. I used to kind of nick all of her hair stuff. But even though I was clearly into hair, yeah. the drama school thing just kind of was calling even more. So I gave that a go for a couple of years. And where was the drama school? In Hitchin, North Arts College. I did a BTEC in performing arts. And did um, you think you were going to be an actor then at that point? Yeah, I think I did. I wanted to be. Um, and all that training was really good 
for what I do now, you know, like put, being a hairdresser is, is putting on a performance and you have to like, you know, I've done lots of talks and stuff and I'm quite confident in like public speaking scenarios and that sort of stuff. And, you know, I'm just working on a YouTube channel and all that's kind of really helping. So, so, yeah. so it feeds into And did you... So at that point, were you musical as well? Did you play? I played the piano. Yeah. Which I've just taken back up. Have you? Yes, I have piano lessons every Monday evening. So tonight. Why did you? Rob. So did you do it and then you stopped or? I did it and I got to grade seven and I sat. <gasps> wow. Gra- I sat grade eight three times and failed. Got that far, yeah. George. Yeah, I did. Why do you think you gave up? Was it? I think it was time to go to college and. Yeah. I think I'd, I'd begged for years to stop and my parents wouldn't let me and I think eventually it just kind of got to a stage where I wasn't passing grade 8, I was going off to college or oh, whatever. Nice problem to have. Nice problem to have. <laughs> but now I've gone back to it because I'm determined to get my grade 8. So I've gone back to it to get my grade. Oh, isn't that nice? Yeah, so and did you watch have... the space. Oh, here, I think we're coming near... We're coming to Tiverton Green now. Where, Willow, is... you're going to have your little run. I talk to dogs like they can understand, by the way. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Would you? Yeah, and this is also called Dog Poo Park because it's obviously full of dog poo because it's just for dogs. There's not many people here, but she'll just have a little sniff and a little... You're going to have a run about... So do you think, George, that's yep. interesting with the piano and the salons and the... And it shouldn't be this way, but did you have that sense that... These felt girly or something, which is ridiculous that they should feel like that. But especially back then, which was, you know, not as enlightened as it is now. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I remember one of the reasons I went to drama school is because I thought if I went to hairdressing school and there was a really good one near me, yeah, I would definitely be outed as being gay because hairdressing was such a girly thing to do. And I thought acting at college, hairdressing college would have been all girls and me. And acting was kind of quite a split because a lot of guys wanted to act back then so I, that's why i came to it a bit later i think as well that's um, interesting and did you worry about coming out yeah oh my god it was like my biggest fear my big and it was awful i remember like as a, being quite a young child and not having any role models that were accepted or you know no outed sort of public person really yeah and feeling quite isolated and quite like you know, not really having anyone to sort of look up to and convert. So it's quite, it's quite a lonely experience growing up in those days, anyway. In those days, yeah. I'm so old now. All right, I'm gonna oh, let her off. Come on, Will. Good girl. That's Hello. my dog voice. Is it? Let's hear it again. Do your dog oh, voice, go George. Good girl. Hey, good girl. You sound a bit like sort of. You sound a bit Scottish. I know. That, well, the Nicholas dog. Surgeon. I always said good. good I always say good boy for Rex, and good girl didn't say the same. And the dog trainer says it like this. She goes, good girl. She says, girl. So I've just kind of copied it because she responds to it because the dog trainer, Willow, good girl. Well, now she'll ignore me because she's in a park. And there's she'll the, ignore you hey. because she's thinking, why is Nicola Sturgeon taking me for a walk? Yeah. Willow. And I was with lovely George Northwood, hairdresser to the Duchess of Sussex. Thank you very much. He won't talk about it, but I do. <laughs> That's going to be the catchphrase. That's going to be the catchphrase. Oh, Willow, Look. you're doing a poo. Good girl. No, that's a wee. That's a good, good girl. Now she'll jump up you and get mud I'm on doing... you. I'm so sorry. George, do you know, as soon as I got a dog, it took me a week. And I, it was the most liberating thing to stop caring about Yeah, you don't. Mud. You can't care. And I'm afraid, I'm not going to lie, George, smell as well. Yeah, you don't I have care. lowered my standards on yeah. the hygiene front. Oh, look at this one. Oh, look, this is a sausage dog. Oh, what a oh, cute dog. What's your dog called? 
Tiger. Tiger. Hello, Tiger. Hello, darling. Oh, no, Willow. It's okay, no, rightly so. She shouldn't be jumping up. I quite like that Tiger's good, Willow. good, good, good. She shouldn't. I'm trying to stop her from jumping up. Do so. you know Tiger's a great little guard dog? It's the smallest dog of all making the most look, noise. Try and jump up at my guys and I'll put you. Look, she's. Oh, look, Tiger's so noisy with such little legs. I always think people might say that about me. <laughs> So you were Good talking, girl. interestingly, before we met all those dogs, just about, yeah, that whole thing of coming out. I hadn't thought that. So it was, there wasn't like you had... Were your parents, you know, were you sufficiently close with them? Or did you sort of think, well, I'm going to have to tell them now? Or do you think, do you feel they knew? Or I think they kind of had an inkling. Yeah. But I didn't tell them until I was 21. And the first time I remember my brother... At, my my brother, my mother, yeah. got to know a gay man was when Bri Brian went in the Big Brother house. And it was the first gay man she'd ever connected to. And I remember thinking, thank God. Um, really? Because that's, but that, if you think like. That's interesting. Big Brother's like, a reality show. So it gave yeah. people up and down the country that had never kind of seen. And it's just around, until you've been around a gay person and you realise, oh, they're harmless, they're like us. They're usually quite funny, whatever, you know, like a shop. I'm not going to go down a stereotype role now, but I'm just saying that, yeah. you know, like there's lots of. You know, I think until you, on reality, some of these reality shows, I think it kind of showed people more a more diverse type yeah. of person because you kind of live in your city or your town with your friends and you do the same things and no one's gay or no one's like different and it's all just very... Oh, here's our friend again, George. Oh, look. Look. This is like the bloke you meet at day one of university and he doesn't leave you alone. <laughs> um, Willow's the slightly kind of up herself, kind of quite snooty... <laughs> Um, Willow came from yeah. boarding school, yeah, and this yeah, is a bit of a culture posh. shock for her. Yeah, but, but she's quite into it. She likes kind of mixing and so. So yeah. Yeah. So on. that's really. And your dad, when you t you remember telling your parents? I remember coming. I remember oh. driving down the M4 from Bristol the whole way, and I had like it's like a godson to me. Emilio was in the car with me, and I drove all the way down to Luton. I remember every mile of the journey, kind of. Oh counting down because I knew I was going to just drive back because I left London to I left Luton to move to Bristol to kind of come out so I had to sort of come out away from home get my confidence together then go back and say this is me this is who I am so and I you weren't hairdressing by that point were I you? started to head learn to hairdress in Bristol so yeah. I moved to Bristol and got I was in catering at this stage like hotel management yeah um, and I left Luton to move to Bristol to come out and I came out in a big way. And you told, and you remember the journey there. And what was it like when you told them? They were good. I think my mum cried. I think yeah. my dad just stared very. Dad went quiet, and I was like, <laughs> I remember that silence, waiting for him to say something. Felt like an eternity. Um, but they were cool. I mean, they always have been. I mean, it's just you know, um, they've always been. They've been great ever since. No, yeah. no problems. I mean, they've just really. And I think, you know, like we said about the. The Big Brother thing, I think there's now so many people, you know, there's such a diverse set of people on the TV now and in, in, in life that, mm. you know, it just, it's just the norm now, isn't it, really? I think, I don't know. Well, yeah, and I think also, but I have this theory that I think people that come out, I think they're, I think it was Noel Fielding, you know, as in the comic and the Mighty Miss yes. guy, he said, 
he once said, I think gay people, it's like they're superheroes. He said, because they have to do something that no straight person will ever have to do. Yeah. Which is basically yeah. make this very personal announcement. I always think, though, there's something about that makes you quite authentic as a person. Because if you've had to do that, there's no yes. lying. There's no point lying about anything then. No, exactly. Yeah, I think you're, you're right. Yeah, definitely. You go through so much that it's character building and also... Oh, is this also Also this kind of like, you know, I was so... You grow up feeling shame and there's a lot of books on this. It's like, you know, to grow up and feel quite ashamed of who you are or, uh, you know, yeah. a sense of shame is qu can be quite damaging. Yeah. And I've had to have thought therapy to help me kind of unravel all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Just holding it when you were younger, you mean, about not being yeah. able to talk to anyone, thinking, why am I different? Leading a double life. Right. Like, from such a young age, having to pretend to be something you're not like from a very young age. Did you age, pretend to have girlfriends or fancy girls? Not really, no. no. I think I had a couple of fake ones just to kind of like... I would have been your fake girlfriend. Yeah. I would have loved that, George. I'd be yeah, really happy. Exactly. I, I could have even fake married you. But also because I was so determined to not fail and make my parents proud of me that, that I think, or be just people proud of me as well, yeah. just, I had this real drive to be really successful from a business point of view and with your hairdresser everything so, so that's why i wanted to be an actor you know yeah. i wanted to be you know i i, I knew I, whatever i wanted to do i wanted to be kind of a big success and that came from feeling quite inadequate and lonely and isolated and you know so a lot of good comes from that but it was tough at the time i bet and did you i mean one thing so around this time you mentioned your Nan and how you'd grown up with this perm lotion and this you played salons yeah. and then the change happened and you thought right I'm going to be a hairdresser um, and do you, do you remember that sort of moment and feeling that and how yes. that evolved? Uh, yeah I just I was at, in Bristol I was managing a bar and a restaurant I was like food and beverage manager of this huge hotel um, you know very again hugely successful but in hotel management which is what I didn't want to do mm. and I just thought, I'm really bored. This is not creative. I wanted to be an actor. And now I'm doing hotel management, which is just boring for me. Mm. And I, it's a great industry if you want to do that. But I just, and one of the girls working in the bar that I was managing lectured hairdressing at college. And I just had this light bulb moment. It's the same as when I decided to open my own salon. I just kind of woke up and thought, because you, you spend ages in turmoil thinking, you get to this point in life where something's not right and something's not, you know, and you're kind of going over something, you're in turmoil and all of a sudden it was just, I remember, you're, it's right, it's weird that you brought that up because I remember this moment of just thinking, well, of course I'm just going to do hairdressing, that's what I always wanted to do. That really? was the original thing, I just didn't do it because I didn't want to be outed of being gay. Mm. And the same as I woke up one morning and I thought, I just need to open my own salon. That's yeah. what I need to do, that's why I'm feeling yeah. blocked, I'm feeling, you know, it's kind of... But a lot of people have those moments, George, but they're too frightened to act on them. And Yeah, I've never been that person. Yeah. I, I don't want to get... Someone told me something about a survey of people towards the end of their lives and sort of always saying they wish they'd mm. taken more risks. Or yeah. So I always think now, and even though my job means I travel a lot, I'm away from home, away from loved ones, I'm seeing the world... I, I always think when I'm kind of like, I just want to be at home or I'm out of my comfort zone. I always just think, you're not going to regret this when you're old. Yeah. And I just do every, I always kind of, 
take the risk or take myself outside my comfort zone because I don't want any regrets. Well, it's the door not opened, isn't it? You yeah. Know, there's a yeah. T.S. Eliot poem which is great about that, and it's it says something like footfalls echo down the lane, and it's the memory of the door not opened, and it's that thing of like, yeah. oh God, you yeah. got. I mean, sometimes the door should stay shut. Yeah, um, oh yeah, 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 absolutely. There are those Swinging, times. for example, in my case. Yeah. Um, I'll keep that door closed. So, Sarah, do you have a poo bag? Uh, yeah. yeah. She did one up there and I've Yeah, go for it. I'm getting through them today. She's been three times. No, that's all right. I'd give you another one, but I'm down to the last one. Yeah, the oh, Staffy's the woman. What's your tattoo there on your arm? That's a Sri Lankan Tamil Om, a prayer. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Where did yeah. you get that? I got that years ago, actually. I got it years ago. I was just I was just drawn to it, and um, since I've learnt that it's a Tamil pra'om, it's like a prayer. So I actually didn't even know what it was when I had it. But oh, that's a relief, George. I know, imagine if you'd have learned it. Imagine it could have like meant something gross. You absolute it? wanker or something. Yeah, toss pot. Yeah, <laughs> who says that anymore? Um, but yeah, I'm trying to say. Tell me with the hairdressing. Yeah. You worked in a shishi salon in London. Um, yeah, well, I started working in, in McQueen's in Bristol. I mm. started there and I loved it. And I, mm. I kind of took over this salon. I was kind of like, you know, hot, you know, hot new hairdresser in town. And with, after a couple of years, I went to Mykonos on holiday. I met a really good friend of mine, Kat, and I decided I was going to move to London in mm. a second. That was another light bulb moment. Yeah. I was like, of course, I need to just be in London. Because now I'd found my career. Mm. So that's when I just kind of decided I moved to London on my 25th birthday. And did you? And I started working at Hersherson two days later on the 12th of November, being 25. And you started doing Alexa Shortly dancer. after, actually. And did it, there was a, you got on with her, did you? When you met her, did you cut? What happened? Did she Instantly. just come into the salon and say, look, I'm a TV presenter, I'm getting my hair cut? And I know, no, it's even earlier than that. It's a, such a great, it's great really. She came in as a model because Hersherson, the salon I was working at called Hersherson was doing the, um, had this deal where they did all these models mm. for free because you know, they're just starting out and all the rest of it. So we had this deal. She came in, she was a model. She wasn't in an, even a TV presenter then. She was just a, you know, a model doing some ad campaigns. Not well known, you know, mm. bit of a face, um, always gorgeous. And she came in and on the first haircut, she said, you're going to cut my hair forever. Yeah. And we just instantly connected mm. and um, she just kept coming in. And then one day she came in and she said, oh, I've got this, this kind of interview coming up for T4. It's like this thing. And I just said, you're going to get it and you're going to be big. And it's just this kind of like yeah. we've been there for each other at this kind of from the very start. And I think she kind of she's been there for me and she kind of knew I was going to be a success and she held on to me and likewise I Wouldn't held on to her. Wouldn't it have been awkward if one of you hadn't been successful? Imagine if you'd have gone on and you said well I, listen I fulfilled my part of the bargain I have been a success and open minds. what about you love you still working in that shop? Um, did she? No it just did kind of happened so organically and then she got the T4 thing and then she got this company magazine cover Oh yeah, I've seen this one. So cute. That's like my little Rexy. Oh, we love Frenchie. Oh, we should. So I'm. Much. We need to talk Hi. about Rexy because absolutely. Space. And also, I want to just say, I just want to tell people to be very careful about getting about Frenchies. buying dogs. Buying what? dogs in general. Well, we can talk about that now, and we can come back to Alexa because as we have got, is this a French bulldog oh, in front like of us? I feel like that is 
the young, the guy that was the younger guy on that dance group that won Britain's so Got Talent. So do I, it is. What's that dance group? Diversity. Diversity, and he's now yeah. fully, yes, he's it like is. a grown-up. And they go yeah. to the Third Space gym, and him, yes. and always had a huge crush on the guy that... Oh, well, come on, then. Oh, oh, no, you've got a partner. Um, oh, no, it didn't work. Tell me about Rex. We're oh, going to go back Rex. to Alexa. Right, OK. Rex, um, I wanted a dog. I actually had a bit of a broken heart, I think, which is like, you know... You split you know, up with someone. I split up with you? someone. I, oh, I was going through a bit of a bad breakup, and this was quite a few years ago. And I just kind of think I wanted something to sort of love and to love me back. And actually, it wasn't a dog just for Christmas. It was a dog for life, because I'm now a complete dog lover, and I'll mm. always have dogs. Um, and... You know, what's great about dogs is they're always there. They're always happy to see you. No it's judgment. work. It's work, you know. It gets you out every day walking. Mm. I've met some great friends through having a dog. But Rex, yes, I did my... Re- I actually took a really... This is the thing. I did take a recommendation off a friend of a breeder that yeah. had a dog from them. But I went... I drove down on Boxing Day to Essex to get this from this special bulldog breeder. Mm. And I picked up Rex and... Was he, he a French bulldog, Rex? He was a French bulldog. He was exceptionally cute, but riddled with health problems. Was he? Bearing in mind with Rex, he was on so many meds, I had to take on a full-time assistant to look after him because he could not be left alone, really. really. Yep, yep. I was completely committed. I mean, the vet had said to me about six months to a year before he died, you should consider euthanasia, and I just couldn't deal with that. Like, you know, but yeah. he was, I had to home-cook fee- food. He had to hand-feed him three times a day. Every time he ate, you had to kind of hold him up to let his food go down. Oh. He couldn't get exert himself in the park. He just had to sit at home all day. Um, so, I mean, so, so that was, you knew he was sort of not going to have long. Kind of. I tell you, I would think in my head I wanted him to sort of live to five. I don't yeah. know why I had this thing in my head. I'm, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a quitter and I don't want to fail at anything. And I think mm. I was just so determined, maybe to the point where maybe I should have, you know, considered having him put to sleep earlier than I did but the, mm. the love that you have for them is just so unconditional like it wasn't even in my and we kept him as comfortable as we could but was it hard so you had to I went to Ibiza for my 40th yeah. and my mum called me and she said Rex can't walk and his back mm. legs just went he's he had like a slip disc but they couldn't operate because he was just wouldn't come around from the the surgery so we had to have him put down I mean I was in Ibiza my poor mum had to do it oh Willow oh, oh Willow no, we don't care about you've got much, it all over George's nice things. I don't, well... I, don't. I mean, that is quite bad, Willow. No, she's just... Go so, and play, like, she just, I mean, go and play with the dog. Go and play, come on, she come on. She wants to be with the grown-ups. Where's your ball? You want to be with the grown-ups? Oh, I've got up. something to play with. Yeah, go I, on. Willow, what's this? You must have been devastated, though. That was. I was that, heartbroken. I was I just, would have cried so I much, I was so George. upset. I was in, I mean, I, I was going to come back from Ibiza, and my yeah. friends that were there with me for my 40th were like, oh, God, look how muddy it is. They were like, no, you can't, you've got to stay. There's no yeah. point. My mum was like, don't come back. There's no point in coming back. So, yeah, it was heartbreaking. And I swore that I would only rescue dogs from now on because mm. breeding was such a... And I, I registered with Mayhew and Battersea Dogs Home. And then, just bizarrely, someone I knew had got this whippet and, and just sort of said, like, I think there's one more left. And for some reason, I don't know, I feel dogs find you. I do. And... I would have, I would have um, rescued a dog, and that's what I was going to do. But when I thought about it, I thought I, Whippets were such a healthy breed. Mm, I've heard, mm. I did all my research this time, and also because I travel so much. And literally, I got her, and I think I went travelling 
on a big tour like a mm. month or two later. Had that been a rescue, they probably would have got a separation anxiety because they're, they're, they're kind of scarred. And so I, I convinced myself that I was doing the right thing by getting a, bre- a dog that I was, had been bred especially mm. because from a young age then I could kind of, um, that would be her norm. Daddy mm. goes away, she goes and stays at friends or the doggy daycare or whatever and boards. Because it's like, like dogs just adjust, don't they? And that's yeah. the thing, you're right. But not rescue. If you're no. going to get a rescue, you've just got to be, and I, I will yeah. get a rescue. I, I want to get one next time. As a single parent, I've got a boyfriend, but you know, I live on my own at the moment. And to have mm. a, a second dog would be... I don't know, I don't want a second dog on my own at the moment. Do you no. Know what I mean? If I live with someone, yeah. I think so. I think that's the thing. You've got to make sure it's right because you, you can bring another into the equation. Yeah. And I know. travel. Yeah. And so I think if you're going to rescue a dog, I think you've just got to be able to, you've got to have quite a stable life. You can't then go off travelling straight away and, oh my God. <laughs> There's a little, oh, it's okay, sweet Willow. Well, Willow. Willow. <laughs> Little Dutch Hounder in so a little high vis jacket, which is the most adorable thing. Is that another? What's that? Is that Greyhound or Whippet? Ditto. I think that's actually a Whippet. Oh, it's beautiful. Hello, it's darling. So cute, right? Willow, get down because come on, George has got um, I'd call it luxury leisure wear on. Well, it's this is my end. dog walking stuff. But yeah, I'll be I wearing mean, that with Rosie Huntington White. Oh, these model of it. You started. We're right. going to go back to that. So, so Alexa, that's, that's we talked do- about, that's and then that. I feel around that time was when I started hearing about you and you get that ridiculous thing and I know you don't take it seriously but it is it's sort of the hairdresser that yes, everyone talks yes, about and it's yes. like he does Alexa Chung's hair he does Rosie, Rosie yeah. Huntington and Rosie by the way was another model that was coming in exactly the same yeah. as Alexa I met them as models just starting out and Rosie moved to New York and blew up as a model and Alexa um, and then now an entrepreneur and Alexa model TV presenter, again, entrepreneur. Do you know and did I mean? you notice your appointment book was suddenly, it was getting pretty impossible to, for people to get in with you? Yes. Do you remember when Sarah Vine had a column in the Saturday Times magazine? It's going back a long time yes. ago. Is Sarah Vine the one married to Michael Go? Yes. Yes. Now, she used to have a column in the Saturday Times, and I have to say... She's she, a journalist, everyone. She yeah. wrote this article, she's a journalist, that, um, yeah, used to have a column in the Saturday Times, a beauty column, mm. and she has very fine hair, and she came in and I did her hair, and she wrote this piece about me being able to manage fine hair and then doing and Alexa. And Michael <laughs> And, yeah, and... Um, and she mentioned Alexa and stuff. Yeah, and, and, like and then other, you know, Newbie Hands wrote this piece in Harper's Bazaar, and all of a sudden people wanted to write about me and my the phones went crazy and I was stacked I was doing 18 clients a day at Hershison That's on a, a Saturday I was and, back, this and it was all these girls coming in that just wanted to look like Alexa did they it was this kind of conveyor and what belt. was it called her hair that bo- it was sort of a messy bob that yeah you it was gave like her. a messy it was a messy bob it was interesting because I think your look which is that sort of chic undone look mm-hmm. I suppose you'd call it I would say it was a reaction. It felt like a breath of fresh air after we had had, and they'd be the first to admit this, but the sort of girls allowed slightly beehive a sort of big hair yes. stuff. Yes, yeah. Well, I think people have said, and I kind of do see it, that it was the first kind of cut since the Rachel that was a real cut and a thing. Mm-mm. Because the Rachel cut was that long layered cut and it was very feminine and long. And then all of a sudden it was this kind of, it was actually quite a short haircut and it was okay again for girls to have short hair. And it was short 
it was a bob, but it was feminine because bobs had become quite dated. No one wanted a bob, mm. and everyone just wanted long Rachel hair, and then everyone just wanted long boho hair, and then all of a sudden it was like yeah you can have a cut and we're almost having it a bit again now with kaya gerber who's kind of got a bit of a bob that you know yeah. but she's not as you know i just think but your name became i remember and it still happens now if i'm ever doing something and i'm having my picture taken or something like that or someone's doing my hair and makeup and they go oh how do you want your hair and i go a bit sort of george northwood and they go oh okay that's so that i mean that i'm just so <laughs> i'm so impressed with that it's harder to look undone than it is to look done yes. actually to get it right because almost I just if it was a case of just being undone, I'd, I'd have done myself out of a job and a whole career. But actually, I've managed to carve a whole movement yeah. out of a cut that's now become such a thing. Yeah. And people don't even realise that's a thing. They'll have it filters down. You know, there's that thing that I can remember coming into your salon and you cut my hair for me the first time. And that's when I was like, oh, my God, I can't go. It was a bit It was my Alexa. I, like, I can't go to any other salon. Thank you for not, and thank you for being such a great supporter no. client of the brand. I mean, it's incredible. Oh, well, I think you let in. my dog in, George. Um, sitting in front yeah. of a hairdresser, yeah. especially one who does Alexa Chung's hair and Rosie Huntington-Whiteley, and I've heard he cuts Gwyneth Paltrow's hair, and yeah. this was pre-Duchess of Sussex, can I say. But I knew you were associated with all the you had flown to LA and all these people and Alicia Vikander. And yeah. so I felt slightly nervous because I thought, is it going to be like going in one of those LA hairdressers? And you were so gentle and reassuring and friendly and you said to me I sat down and you said okay I think I think we should go for French we I think you'd look very good if we make you look French and I thought yeah that's exactly what I want to look it was really weird when you said that you said I think you'd look great French and I went yeah I've always wanted to look French and I just felt I think I was going through a really rough time and that's what I find interesting is I'd gone through bereavements I'd lost my my sister and both my parents I'd ended a relationship and it really was so powerful to me, that haircut. It really was, oddly, because Aww. I felt it was a slight rebirth. And I wanted to ask you about that because I presume you get that a lot, that someone's in quite an emotional frame of mind when they come to you. Yeah, very much. And I'm very, because of growing up and feeling, you know, very emotional about my sexuality and feeling quite a lot of feelings from such a young age, like instead of just like going out to play, I'd be very much in my head and very mm. sad or I would think about I was just from a very early age having to think a lot and um, I really sense that in people and also being an outcast when you're young as well I've got a real you know I, I don't want when the people come to the salon I don't want them to feel intimidated the salon is not an intimidating space and if it was I feel it would be a hypocrite I would be a hypocrite to my childhood because you know, I felt like I didn't fit in. I remember going into salons and feeling so embarrassed to go into a salon and ask for, like, I went and had some highlights and I thought, I'm a guy and I'm going into ask for highlights. I feel so embarrassed. Guys don't do this. And so I've, I've kind of completely, one of my biggest ish, missions was to make the salon a very non um, pretentious place, yeah, not judgmental yeah. at all and very embracing. And when people, that's why I love hairdressing is that I, I can sense how someone is feeling can and you? yeah so you're I quite like you're I an can, empath then yeah and my yeah my level I've got like emotional intelligence about me and I'm just kind of very in tune and I know how much a haircut can mean to someone and the importance of a good haircut and what um, a moment that can be and uh, that's the greatest thing with being a hairdresser is when you can make someone feel mm. how I made you feel that time because I read George that apparently 
There was there were all these extraordinary statistics. It was something like over half of British women tell their hairdressers things they would never tell even their best well, friend. Well, that's actually why you, I've got a podcast, and that's why I did it. Is because the stuff that happens between a hairdresser. That's why I thought it would be a good concept. Is yeah. because the stuff that you talk about. It's the same as the stuff you talk about walking a dog. It's that kind of like, yeah. I mean, you know, people. I'm, I'm a confidant to a lot of my clients and you know like I think a lot of people want me around like we were saying early before is because I think people feel they can trust me and they feel mm. that you know um yeah but I mean I've, not, I've had what I've have you had, had I've had a client li- having you know telling me about this she was coming to London to have an affair and I was like all aware of this and just oh George you said you weren't going to tell anyone about that I told you that in <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm really, So, like... what do you do then? Do you have to say, look, I don't. Do they ask your advice? No, yes. no, no. Yeah. Well, it's, it's very hard to give advice and not be kind of judgmental, not to mm. kind of drip in your own. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? So, your I own tend experiences. To, yeah, I yeah. tend to kind of just let people, if they want to talk to me, they can talk to me. But I tend to not mm. really offer too much advice because the advice is always. That's the difference between, obviously, a friend, I would, but, you know, clients... But you clients... probably end up finding out stuff before other people. Like, people probably say, well, I haven't told anyone yet, but I'm pregnant, or I haven't told anyone yeah, yet. Yeah, but... I mean, I just keep... I've just got this ability of... I just keep everything to myself. I'm not really a... Yeah. You know, um, it's like we were saying about the royal wedding. It's just, you know, I just have this... You know, I've just had, like, the American Vogue cover come out with Stella, and that's been another kind of moment of like, for me, that was a real moment for me, is doing a cover for American Vogue. And keeping that, I just wanted to, but I just kind of, I'm just quite, so much great stuff has happened, and I've always just had to kind of just keep my mouth shut. Mm. I've just kind of become, that's kind of become the norm. Um, I don't know. And so I think there's a trust thing with a hairdresser and it's about you're placing your trust in them. You you must have had moments, even when you do a brilliant job, or even if it's not you, in in your salon, there there comes a moment that you've got no control over when, for example, someone wants their hair to look a certain way because they've had it a certain way for 20 years and, and human beings react oddly to change sometimes. Oh my God, yeah. And do you ever have people think it, like crying or, I mean, it, it doesn't go on much in your salon, we should say. A but few times um, I've had, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of either not done what they've expected. It mm. always comes down to a lack of communication yeah. or the, the thing is with a hairdresser, the client that sits down has got a mental image in their mind of what they want to look like and you've got to try and get that same image in your head. Mm. Now, they can bring in a picture and then you really are on the same page. Even though as a hairdresser, you can still interpret a picture slightly differently because you're cutting it wet and then it ends up shorter than it should be and mm. all the rest of it. But a lot of the time, on the few occasions I've had someone in tears, it's not really been about the haircut. It's been about something else. And that's why I've always... Yeah. If someone's going through personal conflict at the moment... Do you say moment, don't cut your hair too much? Well, I don't ever cut... Like, I wouldn't yeah. do anything drastic before a wedding. I wouldn't do... Wouldn't if you? someone said, I've just broken up with someone... Yeah. Sometimes someone needs a breakup haircut, but I'm quite good at... I know a good breakup haircut. And <laughs> if, if a girl comes in and says, cut all my hair off, I've just split up with my boyfriend, I probably wouldn't. I would kind of say, let's do a sexy bob rather than a crop. <laughs> I'm quite good at... I like, I know a good breakup haircut. Yeah. <laughs> 
you know, because the thing is, I know that if someone's come in and they've gone through a breakup, they need to feel empowered. They need to feel good about themselves. You need, need to feel, feel empowered. You don't want to look like The same as how you felt like a, when you, you were going through a difficult time when I first did your yeah. hair. You know, I know that a fringe, for example, yeah. is nothing... It's, it's a really big change, but it's not mm. actually cutting all your hair off. No. So you, it's a change and it will make you feel great, but it's not traumatic. No. Um... With a cut, which is Good very girl. much what your hair is, a return to the cut yes. rather than the focus on a sort of a blow dry, if you like, just a mass of hair that gets, yes. you know. Um, I think you feel, I felt more ordered. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I felt more yeah. sort of. But that's all very calculated. It's yeah. all very like, I really think about, you know, and I've grown up with a lot of, like most of my friends when I was young were girls because, you know, I felt more comfortable with girls than boys because, you know. I've is got, that still the case? Yeah, I would say definitely. Yeah, I definitely. But then, but then, I mean, I obviously I do do men's hair as well. Yeah, but, you know, I kind you of do. I'm very in touch with my feminine side, and I kind of understand women very well. Do, and men, do you think that's changing? You know, that it was tr it's traditionally more of a female. I hope I'm not being old-fashioned in suggesting that, but you have predominantly it's it's women that come into the salon, and is that changing? And men totally. Yeah. I mean, the male beauty industry and grooming industry is growing at a faster rate now than women's mm. because obviously there's more place to go with it but no nowadays I just think it's very that's what I love about the world that we live in now is that you know men take as much care of themselves and want to try new things with hair and as much as women do and they're proud of that there's no stigma attached to that mm. I mean I know I live in London so it's more liberal than may be other cities or towns in the UK but um yeah, and I love that. Men want to have their hair cut by another man, a gay man or whatever, and, you know, just hang out with them. I would you know, only so. let a gay man cut my hair. <laughs> I would never let a straight man but near my hair. For a woman, yeah, but for a man that might not all be <laughs> yeah. the case. For a heterosexual yeah. man. Now the heterosexual men, they want to hang out with gay men. They want to go out with gay men. They, yeah. wanna, they don't care. They want to hug them. They want to, like, you know, that's what I love about now, and it's just, you know... And, George, I have a question to ask. Go did on. Did your nan, did she live to see you be successful um, and, she and go to into hairdressing she saw me going to hairdressing Good. I wish Willow come on I would have loved my nan and all my grandparents oh, I think that's a Vizsla is oh. it a Vizsla I'm not sure no, what is that really oh, beautiful oh. Um, do you be... know like do you wish your nan had seen you open the salon so I kind of the royal did. wedding that had been really you know because that generation royalty you know I love royalty I mean I'm such a royalist anyway but um, I'm a Meganist. I'm a Meganist. Me yeah, I yeah, am yeah. such a Meganist. I'm a Meganist. Uh, well, well, you know, yeah. Well, but yeah. Well, <laughs> um, you can't talk about it. But, but you I know, can. it's just I. Um, I know my grand my my grandmother oh, would have been so like you know. But they know. They, they all know. know. She they does know. know. And know. your mum. We should say George's mum. It's a real family business because Sally, George's sister, is colourist. A brilliant colourist. Amazing colourist. She likes my dog, Ray. And oh, my God, you, she's dog-obsessed. So like she's so having Willow. I'm going to Mexico for New Year, and she's Well, I know. Willow. Do you know why? Because I was in the salon the other day, and, she and this very smart, glamorous woman sat down next to me, and then Sally came over and said, well, look, I've got to organise Willow. And I thought, oh, it's Mama Northwood. And so, so Mama Northwood comes in to get her hair done, doesn't she? She comes in. She brings in shortbread every... Tint. And, yeah, and she brings in, she bakes shortbread weekly and brings it in to serve with the coffee. And she's done it since day one. 
She delivers shortbread and clients have got savvy to it and they book their appointment midweek because they know the shortbread gets delivered because it yeah. runs out by the weekend. And then she's just baked, she always bakes Christmas cakes this time of year and you get a little bit of Christmas cake with your tea and coffee. But it's got that family thing. It doesn't it feel like, you know, people talk about hairdressing. It's so funny and think of it as a sort of, I don't know, I think some people have this idea of it as sort of fashion, bitchy, fast, do you know what I mean? Drug, tea, all yes. that stuff. And yes. it's like, I, that's not you at all. No, it's whole, so, It's very wholesome, the salon. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I think, do you know what I really set out to do? Another thing with the salon is that salons had become, there weren't really many cool salons. So I wanted to make salons cool again because hairdressers, I'm not saying I did, but that's what I kind of, all the hairdressers I knew wanted to go on photo shoots and they wanted to, they didn't want to be in a salon. All of a sudden, like, you know, those salons that, you know, when I was young, that my mum would talk about, like your John Frieders, your Nicky Clarks, they were of a time. And then it got to a stage now where all of a sudden everyone just wanted to be on photo shoots and doing the cool stuff. Mm. And it's like, why can't a salon be cool? You know, that th the whole thing about being a celebrity hairdresser was just so not really that cool. But then celebrities have got cool and Alexa's cool. And so it was just kind of... I just wanted to create a space that was people were happy to be there because it was, you know, modern and it, it kind of, you know, a modern day super salon, you know, where women travelled from all over the country to come and wanted to look a certain way and wanted to look modern and yeah. But it's work as well. You know, it takes, there's a business oh and that's God. the thing is that I, I realise it's not so just hard. sitting there cutting Kim Kardashian's hair. Although you styled, didn't you do Kim Kardashian's hair? I Kim Kardashian, who was lovely, I have to say. What did so, you do for her? Didn't you say we're going to... Did you, did you take it down a bit or did uh, you...? We did what I did. We did just a bit of a messy wave, um, a beachy kind of wave. She was going to the GQ Men of the Year Awards. And, yeah, it was a real... Yeah, I was really touched to do it, actually. Yeah. And I'll do it again, but I just... And I what thought, do you do in a moment like that? Do you look at her and look at what she's wearing and make a decision based on that as well? Or Yes, but a lot of people, the gr that's what's really great now is that when people book me, they kind of know what they want. Because you book George, you want to look like, a, like you said, you want to like, look like a George North. You know what I mean? You want a George North of styles. Because Claudia Winkleman goes to you as well. I love Claudia. She was in last week. She's got very got good hair. hair. She's got a hair campaign yes. now. Yes, so are you going to launch, that isn't that the next thing? The George Northwood, like, shampoo and conditioner yeah, and I mean, hairspray? That's, isn't that... Yeah, I think that's, that's next. I mean, you know, it's uh, early days and uh, I've always... I kind of took me five years to get my head around the salon and to get that into a really kind of strong place. But, mm. yeah, I, I've, I don't do anything until... You know, I was open six months and I had, like, people coming to me asking me to develop a range and all the rest of it. And I... I just did. I just wanted to get the salon running properly, and I didn't want to do anything too soon. But mm. the salon now runs like clockwork. I've got a really great team in place. It's such a lovely place. I mean, it needs constant. And we should say, if you want to go there, you, it, it's so beautiful and it's very laid back. Please come because Everyone I come wearing welcome. my slippers and it's I bring very and it's dog inclusive. friendly. I was going to ask you um, also the George's love life. You had a heartbreak, but now you've. You've got someone, haven't you? Yeah, I, I met someone in January. I mean, it's early days, but it's all really good. Lovely. We met in January in New York. I did a pop-up at Moda in New York. And I went out on the last night. The girls from Moda Operandi were like, she's seen a squirrel. They were like, we're taking you out, we're taking you out. So we went to Chinatown and ended up in some 
gay bar in Chelsea, I think. I've forgotten what it's called. Um, and you met and a nice man. Met a guy. What does he do? Across the dance floor. Oh. He's um, based in LA, so it's a long distance thing. He's, um, what does he do? He's a singer and a creative and kind of uh, lived in New York for seven years and um, I bet he's handsome. curated these kind of nights and these galleries and exhibitions, like very arty. Um, and uh, yeah, we met and I, what happens? I then, he then moved to LA. I then went to LA in June. Yeah, so I spent summer in LA in August, which was Lovely. nice. Yeah. And then he came here for a bit. I'm going to Mexico in the new year, and then I'm going to go to LA in January. So yeah, it's good. It's long distance. But do you cut his hair? No, Why? not yet. You see, if I was going out with George Northwood, I'm afraid that would be a deal breaker. I'd, I'd be straight up. Look, he hasn't. I think maybe it's just like I did say that. I don't know. Just in the past, I don't know. I just he wears it extremely short with a really good fade at the sides, and so. <laughs> I just, you talk, I'm just too... With a really good fade. Yeah. What's that? Is that like a buzz cut thing? Yeah, really short, really... With a fade? Um, yeah, yeah. But no, no, life's good. It's nice. It's nice to sort of be dating and it's like, you know, it's, uh, you know, early days. So we'll just see how it goes. But it's good. I wanted to ask you something, George. You said you'd had therapy and stuff. Yes. So do you... Are ask you... anything. I'm very open. I know you are. Stuff. Do you... Are you a crier? Do you cry? Uh, yes. When do you I cry? I cry when someone leaves a soap opera. If I'm watching a soap opera. Oh my God, I just watched Marriage Story on Netflix and I cried loads. Isn't it amazing? It's incredible. It's brilliant. I cry. I cry. Scarlett Johansson and Adam, I mean, I love Adam Driver. Yeah, yeah. I cried, I think I cried on Sunday, just for a little bit. I cried because it's a release. Yeah. I think I just felt a bit on my own on Sunday. It was a Sunday day and I was like, mm, I'm here in London. I know, like, I'm sitting, like... My man's in LA, but I was like, had a moment of just feeling a bit. I don't know. I think just sometimes I just think you just got to let it out, and then you just feel better. Are you quite a happy person generally? Yeah. Because Do you get depressed ever? Not really. I've learned to sort of manage all of that. I kind of just kind of. Um, I think I talk about my feelings. That's half the, the problem. Do you? You're renowned. You're well known for being quite a gentle-natured, sweet, calm person. When do you have, how do you maintain sort of discipline at the salon and do you have boundaries and lay the law down? How do you do that? Are you good at saying no or yeah, are you I've a people pleaser? No. I've learned to be, I've just, I've learned to be very authentic with who I am. And if something doesn't sit right with me anymore, if I don't want to do anything I don't want to do, I don't do it. And I say no if something doesn't feel right. Cool. Got a great team around me now of people yeah. that really get me and have the same goal and the same vision. And, you know, and also think the, the yoga and the meditation and the self-care and eating well and having a dog and all mm. of that sort of plays into it. You know, I'm very big on self-care, meditation, Buddhism, all of that stuff, you know, I've had a lot of experience with and that's all helped. Mm. And I, I've kind of learned that my thoughts aren't real and my thoughts come and go. And if I'm feeling a bit down, I, I kind of feel that and I let it pass and, you know, mm. it's just... Life's not easy, is it? Life is ups and downs, and you've just got to kind of, kind of go with it. And what makes you angry? When do you lose what it? What makes me angry? What like the me... things in the salon. I get angry at very small things when I'm tired and overworked or just not had enough. I need to be on my... I need time alone. I need quiet time. That's probably why I got upset. Right, I, like... George, we're nearly finishing. No. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I said Sunday, I probably, like, I had a moment to myself when I got probably... I felt a bit emotional. Yeah. That's just because I'd been on the go all last week and I was working Friday and then... Yeah. I, 
and what, on Saturday I had this big lunch with like 30 friends that went on like all day into the evening. And Sunday arrives and it's like, I'm quite an introverted person. Are you? I need a lot of time on my own. That's where you get your energy. That's how I get my energy. I need me to me and Willow and I need a day where I don't speak. Like yesterday, I didn't speak to anyone. And I, I spoke to probably one of my best friends for about 45 minutes. But if I don't get that, I go crazy. If I don't have time on my own, just quiet time, and yeah, you probably get this because of all the stuff that you do. If I don't have that quiet time, yeah. I go crazy and I fly off the handle at something very small. And I, I know I just need to be in, shut the door, do my yoga, just just, just and me time. Do you know what I think it is? You're very much a people person and you're a chatty person. I get invited to things because people want me around and it's lovely. Yeah. And I, you know, I am that. But, you know, I'm doing that all day with my job. I'm sociable, <laughs> I'm uplifting, I'm happy-go-lucky. I'm like, you know, I'm just like, you know, and I'm... So I just, I find that my, that my real social life, because a lot of the stuff I do socially is still work social stuff. Yeah. But my real so- social life, and when it's the real me, that's not being career George, it's just being George. So it's such a great name, George, by the way. I hated it when I was young. Did you? What? It's so fashionable now, isn't it's it? It's now, but when I was young, I was the only young oh, person yeah. called George because everyone's granddad was called George. I wanted oh. to be called Matthew. <laughs> Because loads, loads of guys. Because when you're young, you don't. The thing is, I knew I was gay, so I knew it was different. I had this fucking name that no one knew. So like, there was nothing about me that was like normal. And like, now I love that. Now I'm like, but the real me, the, not the real me, because the, the the work George, the George Northwood hairdresser, salon owner, celebrity hairdresser, whatever, is. But when it's, I'm not being that person. It's my social life. Yeah. I like really simple things. Like I like to go to a bar and when it's quiet and just chat to a client I, with no yeah. noise. Yeah. I my 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 real downtime is very pure and simple and it's just basic because yeah. there's so much fabulous stuff going on the rest of the and time. And that becomes your work in a way. It's like I say to people, you know what's interesting with weddings is that let's say I don't know supermodels or people who actresses a lot of the time they do very pared down weddings that's like if i'm going on holiday because i spend so much time on work travels and we'll stay in a hotel with a gym and room service which is all lovely but my holiday like in mexico i'm staying on a shack on the beach because when i'm at work i stay in a hotel so the idea of staying in a hotel with a gym is like for me that's like work um, i love it we sound so I, my hotel hell i mean it was a no, nightmare no, nice I mean, bar hell i'm very i I'm know very you are well, you're very, the job. hey i wanted to ask you george as well do you when you see people do you find yourself on the street thinking oh just just cut that bit there just what you need to do is just move no you, do I, you not when i'm not working i'm not really you're even off. looking at hair I'm not interested. I'm looking at dogs, not hair. (laughs) Which way are you, George? We're going. I'm up that way. Where are you going? Oh, George, give us a hug. I'd love to walk. Can I give Willow a kiss? Of course you can. Yeah. Willow. Is this a bit embarrassing that I'm begging a dog for a kiss in the street? Yeah, she's just, she's mad. I really hope you enjoyed listening to that, and do remember to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.